0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craig Avon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Good stuff. So following Jesus in all of life, um, what we've been doing with this, you know that, um, since, let me stop that since Vision Sunday, um, on Vision Sunday, we talked about how we wanted to redefine our practices here in the life of church. We had uh, other practices previously, but we just felt that if we're talking about following Jesus in all of life, what it actually means to follow after him, to press hard after him, what are some of the characteristics that we see in the life of Jesus that it's important for us to, to replicate and to model out in our lives. And so these words that are on the wall are some of the words that we felt with us. The reason why we did this, the key verse for this for this. Theme and where we're going with this is this one taken from the message version in Romans 8. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. So this is the point. Everything that we see in Jesus was the original purpose and design for each and every one of our lives. That's what we're going to be hitting hard on this morning what was the original purpose and design for each of our lives we see it in jesus if you get confused or sidetracked from it look to jesus he's the one that we find it all in our original design was always to be like him and so this is why we want to follow after him just one quote dallas willard says this we cannot adopt this form of life without engaging in his disciplines maybe even more than he did and surely adding others demanded by our much more troubled condition so Pretty much he's saying if you want to live the life, become more like Jesus in your life, then we have to follow Jesus' ways of doing things. And these were some of his practices that he embedded. And so where we've gone over the last couple of weeks, Phil obviously started off by talking about the need and uh, the help of the Holy Spirit in our lives to be able to live these out. But he spent the last two weeks looking at prayer and worship. And so this morning we come to look at creativity. Sorry, this is going everywhere. we? We're coming to creativity this morning with us. This, this is the one. Me and Phil drew straws for this one who was going to do this talk. <laughs> I'm only joking. We didn't really. And, uh, and with this one, th- this, this is the one that probably when we put these practices up, this is one that we had the most feedback about, the most questions being asked, because this word almost caused so much confusion. What does it actually mean by it? Dictionary definition was simply this, the use of imagination or original ideas to create something. It also talks about inventiveness. And and the whole purpose and reason why we've done these questionnaires is because it allows us to see what is happening in the life of the church when it comes to engaging with some of these things. And the questionnaires that came back around creativity were very telling. And so one of the questions, for example, that was asked around creativity asked this, would you consider yourself a creative person? And the feedback that we got from you guys was that as this reflects the life of the church, around a third of the church do not consider themselves to be creative, So pretty much a third of you are sitting looking at these things on the wall and saying, well, that one doesn't count for me. That was in your mind. And probably the reason why was because your understanding of what creativity is all about. The very first question that was asked in that survey, just to say, by the way, if you haven't been picking these up and you want to be included in the survey, it's just anybody who's part of our database on Church Suites, so give your details at the back. We would love for you to be part of it. But the very first question that was asked is this. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word creativity? Over 80%... Of people said that it's all to do with art and music. Only the arty people are creative. That's what people used to say about me and Laura. Laura's the creative one. I'm not because she's the artist. Blah blah blah. All that sort of stuff. That's what people would have said. Don't tell her I said blah 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 because it was her that said it. And uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and what we need to realise is that this is a mindset for so many people in the church. Unless we're arty, unless we're musical, we're not really creative. And this morning we want to try and address this, because the first thing I just want to simply say with this is that creativity is not just for arty people. <laughs> hopefully what we're going to see today is that creativity is actually for each and every person that's in the room. This is part of the practices practice that it was built within all of us when it comes to looking at the original design and the original purpose that was placed upon all of us as created human beings. And so to be able to explore this day, what we're going to do, we're just going to look briefly just about... God. We're going to look about creativity through the lens and the person of God. And then we're going to explore just what this means for us in our lives. Because if we're going to talk about creativity in the purest and truest form, then we've got to look to Jesus. We've got to look to him, to all of us. We've got to see God, how he created. And as you open your scriptures, even the very first page of your Bible, the very first verse in your Bible is this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God was creating from the very beginning the psalms speak about this as well this this word god just to say it, by the way is god in his fullness god's the trinity god the father god the son god the holy spirit this is elohim it means god in the fullness way possible here he was at the beginning creating and the psalms speak about god and all that he's created psalms here's just a couple of verses psalm 19 verse 1 the heavens declare the glory of god the skies proclaim the work of his hands psalm 104 verse 24 to 25 How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. We see at the very beginning, God was creating at the very beginning. And then he took it a step further, and God took on flesh and came and lived and dwelt amongst us in the person of Jesus Christ. And what we see is that many of the things that Jesus did and said had such a creative edge and such a creative thrust And what he was doing. So for example, Jesus was an incredible storyteller. Jesus told parables as he tried to tell people about the kingdom of heaven and tried to help people to understand what heaven was really like and what God was all about. He told stories, these earthly stories with heavenly meanings. He was creative in the way he told it. Even as he engaged with miracles, many of us, if we were doing it, we would just be doing it as easy and as straightforward as possible, but not Jesus. As he fed 5,000, look at the creative way he did that. When they needed money to pay into the temple, Jesus just didn't reach into his pocket and just pull out one magically from his pocket, which probably would have been much more straightforward and logical if you were thinking about it. Jesus told his disciples to go and get a fish and open the fish's mouth and there'd be a coin inside. It was very creative because this is the thing. God was not just creating things at the beginning. He was not just creator God at the beginning. He is always creator. He is always creating He is always doing something new. This is our God. We see that even in in the way Jesus healed people. So as Jesus healed people who were blind, he didn't do it the same way every time. He was creative in the way expressed. So for example, one of the times he rubbed mud on a guy's eyes, he probably was thinking, what on earth is going on? But in the creative way, even he engaged in healing, Jesus did some things differently. He's always doing things new. Because here's the truth about God. He is creator God. And what that means about Creator God is that He is creative God. He's creative, always seeking to do things new. So, firstly, before we go past this, apply this to your own relationship with Him. Apply this to how you live your life with God each and every day. Some of you might be happy or feel a sense of okayness about just going through the same routine day and daily. Pray the same prayers. Just feels a bit apathetic, and yet God is constantly looking to do something new. God is constantly looking to engage you in new ways. Imagine this for the for the couples in the room. imagine this imagine for Phil and Lorraine here they are right, and Phil and Lorraine get up and they have the same thing maybe you do do you eat the same thing for breakfast every day, probably <coughs> no no, definitely not. Well, imagine they did, right? So just for this analogy, imagine they did, right? And they had the same thing for breakfast every day. They got up and they put on the same clothes and they got up and they had the same conversation day after day. They did the exact same things because there was just nothing dynamic or new. What would happen to the relationship? It would start to suffer a little bit. It would start to die. And yet this is the thing for us, is that God constantly wants to do something new because he is creator God. He's creative, always looking to do something new. And so this is God. This is who he is. Everyone believes that about God, don't they? Does, does everyone believe that about God? <laughs> yes. Give me an Amen, right? So we all we all believe that about God. And we're okay about that in our minds. That's you, God, your creator, God. But yet this is where we take it a step further. Because this is what we read. If your Bible's with you today, we're mainly going to be in Genesis, between Genesis 1 and chapter 2. But this is what we read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 27. This creator God, this creative God, this is what he says in verse 26 to 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God he created, a male and female he created him. This is what we're told, male and female, Adam and Eve were made in his image. The word for image here that we see that is on we see it repeated a couple of times here in 26 and 27, it's this word salem. It means image or idol or statue. We all know what idols are, statues are. They are a visible representation of something invisible, right? And this is what God was calling the very people, the very things that he had created his human beings. He's saying that you are the visible representation of me. You are the visible representation of God. That's what God was saying in this. Now, it wasn't just the fact that He was calling them an image or a statue, because God was saying they were, Im- they were made in the image of God. The, the Hebrew for that would be "Selam Elohim." It's made in the image of God. In those days, it probably would only, or in biblical times, it would only really have been used for royalty. But this, this is the thing that just levels everything. This is the thing that is just so countercultural. This is what God speaks out over—not just people who are high and mighty and people who are better than everyone. God looks at all that He has created, and this is what He says: "You are an image bearer." Say to yourself: I want you to say this out loud. I'm an image bearer. Say it again. (laughs) And then God takes it a step further. Was it Jiminy Cricket that always say, "But wait, there's more." And uh, I used to say this, right? And there's more because this is what it is. God actually says this about us: we are His masterpiece, the pinnacle of His creation. Say that for me. I'm a masterpiece. (laughs) Because this is where we're going to finish today. Say that again, (laughs) right? Some of you are laughing when you're saying it. This is serious stuff, right? We are God's masterpiece. This is what he thinks about us. And this isn't just my words for it. This is what Paul actually says. Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us in you in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The Greek for that word masterpiece is the word poemia. It means where we get the word poem from. Literally we are God's poem. We're God's piece of art. We are God's masterpiece. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's like we we were the best thing. This is what it was all about. And here's the good thing, right? Is that when we looked at the questionnaires, around about 75% of people strongly agreed with that in the questionnaire. So I believe that I've been created by God to uniquely reflect his glory. About 75% strongly agreed, about another 20-odd percent agreed. So pretty much most of the church were agreeing with it, whether they strongly agreed or agreed, right? They were kind of all in there agreeing, which is great. The next question is the one we really want to labor and focus a bit more on today, though. I have come to realize that in my daily roles and responsibilities, I am called to live into the fullness of my created being. I think that's, what, about 60-something percent in the middle there for strongly agree, about 20-something percent for agree. There was some, um, what was that, somewhat, there was a few disagrees in there as well thrown in for the mix. And this is the point when it comes to realizing and thinking, firstly, we can believe it about God. Sometimes we can believe, because that's what question three was asking, we can believe that we're made in the image of God. But this is the thing that you need to understand as image bearers, creativity is part of our reflection of creator God. As those made in his image, creativity is therefore for every single person in the room. If you're calling yourself, which most people are believing, (laughs) they were made in the image of God. If you believe you're made in the image of God, this is for you, for every single person. And what we want to look at today is how God wants to outwork his creative purposes for you. Next week, we're going to get very practical about it. We're going to pray for for people and groups of people specifically. But today, we just want us to grasp the truth because more than anything, the devil would love us to just not get this (laughs) and not grasp all that God has for us and all that God wants to release us into. The point I want to leave this morning as we look at Genesis 1 again, just continuing on in the next verse, is this, what God speaks over Adam, what God spoke over that first human, Adam, was not just for Adam, but it was God's purpose and design for everyone, every human being that he created. Every, every human being made in the image of God. In Genesis chapter one, so we've just read, he's made male and female, he created them. In his image, he created them. The next verse, this is what he says to those that he created, verse 28. He says this, be fruitful and multiply. So this is what he says. He creates them in his image, and this is the directions that he's given to them. So... These aren't just the directions that he gave to Adam and Eve, right? These are the directions that he's speaking out over our lives as well. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. From these opening moments, we see God delegating authority to mankind. We'll come to that in a wee second. But these, there's, there's other references for this. For example, again in the Psalms, Psalms 8, Psalm 8, verse 4 to 6. What is man that you're mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have set all things under his feet. It came across this verse a couple of weeks ago, Psalm 115 verse 16. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. This is what delegation of authority actually means. Now, this isn't very creative. I just ripped up Phil's analogy or ripped off Phil's analogy there a couple of weeks ago. So Phil used this. Remember when he was doing his prayer talking music stands? So these are as good as our props get here in Emmanuel when we're talking about this. But if you can imagine when God created mankind, this was the authority that God had to rule and reign on the earth to allow his presence to cover the very depths of the earth. This is what God was seeking to outwork on the earth. And God in, in his love to the creation that he had created, made in his image, delegates authority. So this is what it's saying. Well, the heavens are the Lord's, the earth he has given to the children of men. And he said, I'm trusting this to you. I'm entrusting this to you. Here's the authority. And so Adam took it. <laughs> the authority to be able to, to have dominion on the earth. This was God's heart and purpose about how things were going to get, be outworked here. in the earth was through his creation through human beings so you can look at yourself this is still god's desire for us the earth was given to those made in his image god wanted us to co-partner with him through the delegated authority he gave us and so we see this let me skip past this quote here it is not one in genesis 1 verse 28 so the very end he says have dominion that's the word that talks about delegated authority the hebrew word for it just very briefly is this word rada that means dominion and this is the bit that's really important is what it means to rule Right to rule, to reign. This is what God was saying to mankind rule and reign on the earth. Take take control of it. Take control of it now, work everything of, of his ways to, to the world. We're going to look to see this in a little bit more detail. Some Hebrew scholars have said that this is specifically what it means to actively partner with God and taking the world somewhere. So God said this to Adam He said, Adam. There's authority, take it. And he said, right now, take the world somewhere. Take what I'm entrusting to you with. Take the world and make something beautiful out of it. Bring life to the very world that I've placed you within. John Mark Comer, if any of you have read his book, Garden City, it's one of my favorite books that I've read in a long time. I read it a couple of years ago. But this is a quote that he said in it, and, and I love this. Think about it. God could have made humans from the dust like he did with Adam. Pause every second. So what he's saying here is, God made humans out of dust in the first place. If he wanted to, he could have kept on making us all out of dust. (laughs) He could have kept on doing it over and over and over again, right? That's pretty much what he's saying here. God could have made humans from the dust like he did with Adam, but instead he chose to work through marriage and family. He could have made food fall from the sky like he did with manna in the exodus, but instead he chose to work through farming and agriculture and trade. Why? Because God is looking for partners. God desired to be in relationship. God desired to work through those that he loved. God desired to work through his creation, those made in his own image. And so he did, wasn't going to just take the easy way out. This was creator God. And here's the thing that Paul says. Paul says this to the church in Rome. Romans 5, for if by the trespass of one man death reign through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Paul's talking to the church in Rome about how because of Adam's sin came into the world and death came through all of that. But what also happened was that when Adam submitted himself to the ways of the enemy and agreed with the ways of the enemy, what happened was the authority that God had delegated to Adam, the devil took it from him. But here's the beautiful thing that it says in this, because this is the significance of the cross. This is what Jesus did. While the enemy had this, he had the right to rule here on earth, the right to oversee some things on the earth. He had stolen it from man. This is why, do you know in the temptation narrative in Matthew's gospel, it says that he takes Jesus to the top of the, the temple and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says this to Jesus, Jesus, I'll give you these. I know you've come back to take it from me. He says, I'll give you all these kingdoms if you give me what I want. Now get down and worship me. He says this to Jesus. And Jesus says, behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What happened was Jesus didn't need to bow the knee to the enemy. He was going to defeat him on a cross. And so he defeats him. And he takes this back. And here's the beautiful thing. This is what Paul says to them. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace And the gift of righteousness, those who are saved, if you call yourself a believer this morning, this is what it is. This is what it now means for us. It's not just the fact that we're going to get a ticket to heaven. It means something in this life right now. This is what it means. is the result that we reign in life. That's what was spoken over creation at the very beginning. That Hebrew word um, for, for dominion meant to reign. This is what is restored to us once again as creation, that we get to reign and to be able to serve with God, to co-partner. And to reign in life, just a couple of things very briefly before I just land my main point for this at the end. Being able to reign with God, this is simply what that means, because that can sound like pie in the sky sort of thing, but this is what God was asking us to do. Firstly, he said this, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God's desire was just that everything everywhere would just be filled with his presence. Everything, everywhere would be filled with his kingdom rule and reign. That was the purpose of God. So be fruitful, be fruitful in what you do. Fill the earth. Let me just ask you this really quickly. When you leave people, do they leave feeling filled? Do you fill people with something positive and good? Do you deposit something that makes them feel like it is life-giving and it adds to them? Or are you the sort of person that just Seems to take away and just some of the things you say or you do, just sometimes it makes people feeling that they're they're actually it's hurt them more than you've actually added to their life. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And you know what? This is what Paul actually says of the church in Ephesians 3. It says this was the manifold wisdom of God that was hidden from the ages. So that through the church, Jesus was going to send his glory, he's going to fill all things everywhere with what? It was with the church people because we have been entrusted with the right to have dominion to reign once again with god the last second word just quickly with this is subdue that can mean a negative word we need to be careful sometimes we can be negative we can't do damage to people but this word also means to bring order or harmony out of chaos we can bring harmony to people's lives both of those words let me just say this to sum it up how you will primarily work this out How you will primarily live out the call of God upon your life. It's what God started in the beginning. And it's what God still wants to do through your life right now. How God wants to engage through your life is through work. Some of you, your heads will drop because you think, oh, I hate my work. (laughs) Really? Because what we want to just show with this is that actually your work, some of you, by the way, I recognize this, might not be in paid employment. So when I'm talking about work, I'm talking about your primary daily activity, the thing that you do. But through your work, this is still the purpose and intention of God, that you can do something that brings life, but creates culture, (laughs) something that adds to this world, something that adds to this creation. This is the whole essence and the nature of work um, that we see here um, in, in the Bible. The word for um, God's heart and desire for us through this is, is that we would engage with it. Let me say this. The earth was formless. This is what it says back in Genesis. The earth was formless and empty. God began to fill it. So in the first first three days, we see things that it's empty. In the next three days of creation, God starts to fill it with his very presence with the created beings. And then we're told this. He takes Adam and Eve and he puts them in the garden. And in Genesis 2.15, it says, the Lord took man... And put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So this is just Adam at this point. To put him in the Garden of Eden. But the first thing he tells him to do is to work. God tells Adam to work it. Here's the cool thing about this the word for work here is the is the Hebrew word abad. It means work or service. So through your work, it should be a service on the people, it be a service unto God, be a service unto creation. But the cool thing about this word abad that means work. It also is another word that's used for worship. So one of the primary ways that you get to worship God is each and every day when you go about doing your work. Some of you can stand here in church and say that you love to worship, but if you love to worship and you're the worst employee, you don't really love to worship. Because how you actually worship God is through your everyday being and your life. It's not just standing in church here and singing songs. How you actually engage in your workplace is crucial and what you bring to that. Because this was the creative purpose, purpose that was upon your life. And we see this. So it's, as well as working, it's also the desire and the design to take care of. The word for take care of is briefly this, shmar. Take care of, cultivate, develop, or draw out something's potential. Pretty much what God has asked us to do is this, God is asking us to co-partner with him. And this is why, for all of us who would say we're not very creative, you can't co-partner with a creative God if we're gonna say, well, we're just trying to set aside and say, just get away from the easy road out of saying we're not very creative. If we are those made in the image of God, then we need to be the ones that actually engage with the fullness of what God has created us to be. Creativity has been set within each and every one of us. And God wants to release Next week, we're gonna be praying for this. We're gonna be asking uh, the Holy Spirit for help with this. But God wants us to bring this into our workplace. I love what Tim Keller says about work. Work is rearranging the raw material of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and people in particular thrive and flourish it's one thing just to ask in this does if, if the purpose of work and the whole creative purpose that God had for you was to bring life to people and to add to people's life through what you do to bring beauty let me ask you this does your work I want to be careful in what I say here because we're blessed when we were able to earn a wage and a salary but does your work bring life to people Does it help people? Is it the sort of thing, suppose the thing I'm asking you to reflect on, does your work, does it intentionally try to take away from people? Does it do the work of what God would want? Or is it doing the work of the enemy for him? Is it the sort of thing that seeks to just, because in some people's workplace, it can be the sort of thing where there's a bit of corruption and things that are going on. The thing I'm not saying, by the way, is leave your job, (laughs) right? Let me just be clear on that. But you can be the difference in your work. If you start to think about this in a renewed mindset, you can be the one that makes a difference. Instead of being the one that just goes in and sides along with everything else that's happening in your workplace, you can be the one that goes in and lives out what you were originally created to be. If this is us saying that we are seeking to follow Jesus in all of life, we cannot ignore this one. This is what God is asking us all to be about. We are seeking to live out the fullness of God in everything around us. And this is the difference for me. When we get to co-partner with God, there's a difference between a co-partner and an employee. Employees are the sort of people that will happily take a few minutes off (laughs) and cheat their bosses out of stuff. Employees will complain about their work. Co-partners, the difference, have ownership. They give everything to their work. As co-partners with God, we just continue what God started in the beginning. Listen to what John Mark Comer says as well. This is my last quote from him, and then one story before we finish. Here's what you have to understand. The garden was dynamic, not static. Put another way, creation was a project, not a product. The garden was designed to go somewhere. God's vision was for the order and artistry and beauty of Eden to spread over the whole earth. And human was the one entrusted with that job, to fill the earth with the garden's reality this is how we get to worship this is the message version of that one that says you worship the lord and spirit and the truth look at the last two lines those who worship him must do it out of their very being their spirits their true selves this is the true us of who we were and the true you you need to remind yourself this morning is that you are a masterpiece your life is a masterpiece one story, just as the guys, the band comes up, just to close us off. One of the, I know I said earlier that sometimes we get limited in our minds talking about creativity to do with art, but I'm going to tell you a story about art, all right? And, uh, and when we think about paintings and artwork and things like that, one of the most famous pieces of, or masterpieces that we would know of, I know there's many of them, but this one, um, the Mona Lisa by Leonardo da Vinci. I had to actually change I think I initially put him my thing, Leonardo DiCaprio. But he, <laughs> was he, he sunk with a ship or something, didn't he? Somewhere. Um, this, this, this is the Mona Lisa. And the thing about the Mona Lisa, it's, it's, it's one of the most famous paintings. It's, it hangs in the Louvre in France, in Paris. Apparently in 2009, there was uh, a Russian tourist who visited the Louvre and went to the gift shop and bought a lovely ceramic mug and went around to see the paintings. And when they stood looking at the, the Mona Lisa, they decided that the best thing to do was to get the ceramic mug and throw it at the painting <laughs> in an attempt to try and destroy it. The security guards were watching. She had thrown it at the painting, they were too late, but they were pounced on her, they had her arrested. Little did she know that actually this painting now today is surrounded by a bulletproof glass sheet. <laughs> nothing can break it and so there's different ways to contain it and the reason why you might think that's a bit extreme it's only a painting for goodness sake why have they got a bulletproof glass the history of mona lisa it's it's quite it's quite disturbing quite unfortunate for poor old mona lisa but what actually happened was this painting is the only ever painting to have been stolen from the louvre in 2011 or 1911 sorry it was stolen it was retrieved shortly after and then the last wee bit was that the last couple of things is that in 1956 it was damaged when a vandal threw acid over it while it was on display at another museum in France. And then the same year, if that wasn't bad enough, a Bolivian man threw a rock at the painting, damaging paintwork below Mona Lisa's left elbow, right? There's been a lot of stuff that had happened. And the question I want to simply ask with us as we finish and we're going to respond and worship now. The people in the museum, w- when these things happen, so firstly, it was stolen. I'm sure it came back a wee bit dishevelled in some way. Someone threw a bit of acid over it. Someone threw a rock, <laughs> chipped a bit of paint off. And the people in the the people in the galleries, whatever you call them, <laughs> they had they had an option with the Mona Lisa. They had to decide at this point: is this is this damaged in such a way that it's it's pointless, it's worthless to put up on our put up on our gallery? Well, we just get another. We just get another painting in. This is trash. It was a justifiable option for the people in the galleries, but when they looked at it, regardless of its condition, they looked at it and said, "This is a masterpiece. This is Leonardo da Vinci's masterpiece." And the thing that I just want to pray and release in the room this morning is that there are many of us, self included. Do you know what? Life, life can damage us, can't it? I feel broken. I feel stained. And here's the beautiful thing. You see, the people in the museum looked at it and said, this is a Da Vinci masterpiece. God as a father looks at us all and says, that's one of my masterpieces. God looks at you and says, you're one of my masterpieces. He formed you. He still calls you a masterpiece. And the beautiful thing is through the work of the cross, this is what redemption and restoration is all about. What we get to actually do is that we get to discover, rediscover your original design and the original glory set upon you. This is why we have so much to worship and to give God thanks for. Next week, we're gonna to look to see what you wanna do with these masterpieces. Practically, we're gonna pray and release that. This this is the truth. I just felt today is where I want to stop and just land this because there's no point going on to the next bit if we can't receive the truth of what God actually says. And today, I would just love to just pray because you can be sure that if we don't even speak it over our own lives, there's an enemy that just wants to just hammer home lies about us. That'll say it's worthless. Just forget it. You're damaged. Blah, blah, blah. We're masterpieces in the hands of God made in his image, made to reflect Him in every possible way, especially in this lovely in the wall, creativity and what I would love us to do just before we worship um, we'll pray and we'll release some people to go and get kids as well I would just love to take a minute that if there's people in the room there's a few people stood the first service we have prayer ministry at the back just to say this as well at the end of the service But more than anything I would just love to pray just for that release of truth some people feel that maybe in the room today their identity has just been maybe the enemy's trying to steal it at the moment some of the things that you're feeling about yourself some of the things that are going on in your life and have gone on in your life and you just, you struggle to believe that, that word that you're a masterpiece in the eyes of God today I would just love us as a church family just to pray for one another again, if you don't feel comfortable there's a prayer guys at the back I would just really encourage you, please don't leave today without getting prayer for this we said this at the first service, this is what breakthrough is all about Breakthrough is when you actually get to believe what God says over you and what God speaks over you. That's breakthrough. Begin to believe your truth, Anthony. And so before we worship and close this out, if that's you, if you feel that there's something within you that just really struggles to grasp that truth today, that you're a masterpiece, I would just love you to stand. And I would love us to be able to pray. So let's just leave this for 30 seconds. If anyone feels they would like to stand guys receive prayer i'm gonna pray over them but i would love us all to stand just as we pray just to say i'm gonna when we finish praying if you have kids if you need to go get them go do that we're gonna sing a song just to worship and respond to this just at the very end what we need is just for for the holy spirit just to release this upon us for this just to spring up within us once again this was your original dna your original design it's good news God I thank you for the truth God that you look at us and you still call us your work of art I thank you that you look at us God in the midst of much of the brokenness that goes on in many of our lives God and you look at us and you still say that we are a masterpiece God in your eyes and in your hands but Father I just pray God that you would help us to live into fully what that means for us God I pray Lord for each person that stood people who haven't stood to respond, but feel that within their hearts and their minds. God, I just pray, Lord, that the truth of that would wash over every heart and every mind, God, in the room today. And God, out of the reality, God, of the truth of who we are, our identity in you, sons and daughters of God, made in your image, creator, Creative God. I just pray, release, God, of creativity, God, within each and every one of us. God, as we go to our works this week, God, as we be about, God, our daily main activities. God, I just pray, Lord, that you would release, God, something of your creative spirit within us. And God, that you would be glorified in our lives. God, the people which receive, God, the goodness and the fullness and the freedom of what you have through us, God, in our lives. And God, we do this for the sake of your glory, for the sake of your name. Thank you for entrusting us with this. Father God, we love you. Thank you that you're restoring all things we just worship you Holy Spirit would you just spring up within us we pray stir this up we pray Jesus. we hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast for more information about our church and all that we do please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk